Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, Talking with Shadows. The conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D, and we want to give a shout-out to our two newest patrons, Elizabeth and Once Are Loyal. Welcome to the One Candle family, everyone. Big hearts, guys. As an interesting side note, Lizzie had once came down and played a game of 40K with us. It was pretty awesome. It was awesome. Uh, Lizzie came down and we played, uh, I played, played orcs. orcs and and you guys played Chaos. So yes, we played did. Alpha Legion yes. and totally stomped you. It wasn't a total stomp, by the way. It was like a 500 point game. <laughs> like your HQ took out my HQ and by that point that was pretty much the game. But, it was a good match, though. It was a good but match. But it was still it was still fun. Thank you very much. And no stompage. But man, it's been a while since we have been back doing an episode. We apologize about that, guys. Yeah, I've been just very, very busy with classes, but my classes are starting to get on the downhill. I only got about three more months and then I'm graduated. And my wife and I are in the process of trying to adopt. And so we just finished our home study. Thank you for sorry. Round of applause. You know, I'm very excited. You know, very excited. when it's only one person clapping, that sounds <laughs> <laughs> real condescending. The audience, just so you know, the audience was celebrating with me. You know, there's a button for that, mind you. By the way, <laughs> hang on. Let's see if I can find it. Let's see what he is. Oh my goodness, you got on, it on the, the first, first try. try. <laughs> Thank you. Thank but, you. But either way, big congratulations. Thank you. Uh, so we're super excited with that. So they were done with that. So now it's opened up a, a lot more time for us to be able to record. Um, so it's super awesome that we've got two new patrons. We got more time to record now, so we're super, super excited to be here. Uh, and I, I wanted to get this done earlier in the week, uh, but unfortunately, it's been well, not unfortunately. Thankfully, it's my anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I want to catch myself there on that one. Uh, so <laughs> we had to do that. You know, my wife and I went to this winery, and I'm going to give you guys some advice. Um, if something's price is listed as MKP, don't order it. <laughs> Because you cannot <laughs> afford it. You don't know what it was. It was, my wife ordered something that was steak written in some sort of other language, MKP. It was $125. What was it, Wagyu? I don't, okay. It was a steak of something. I don't know what it is, but for $125, I assume it was the last of its species. Okay. <laughs> Speaking, oh. of wine, speaking of wine, I've got some homemade meat here for us today. Yeah, this you is were... a apple cinnamon mead. I'm I'm excited and hopefully not going to get fall down drunk from uh, this. We're, we're only going to give you a little bit ah. because it's around. Most of my meads are around forty proof, so they're they're strong. Apple apple alcohol is definitely one of my uh, one of my weaknesses. We named this one a taste of chaos. After Eris, since uh, we included apples in it. Mm. We like to give all the wines kind of a mythology-based name. A toast to our newest patrons. Cheers, being guys. being back in the studio. Ding. Ding. Oh, I like that one. I like that. I like that. I thought we, you would. You usually do like I'm going to, like, take it back and try to make a sweeter version of it. But... As far as apple meads go, I think it's pretty good. I think it, I think it could have had a little bit more of an appley taste to it. I think the cinnamon, it's a little strong, but it's still good. I mean, yeah, I liked it better than the other one you had. I liked it better than the last one that we tried on the on the episode. I don't think we can bottle this and sell this because we need a liquor license. But yeah, no, like I have no clue what the hoops are to go from like a home brewer to actually being allowed to sell stuff. But I'm assuming it's way more work than I want right. to put in. So I'm just gonna just make it for myself. <laughs> For what is self right now, it's just us experimenting in your basement. <laughs> okay, let's get to some comments. Yeah, so if you guys uh, didn't check out our last uh, two episodes, really, in our last episode, we wrapped up talking about the Marine Kingdom and this really long story of a person who uh, got way too deep uh, in, into that. And so if you haven't seen it, definitely go watch those episodes. Yeah, and definitely start with the first one because you're going to be lost yeah. on the second episode yeah. if you don't have the context from the first. <laughs> and so uh, 
WNPR says, I wish you would do a crossover with the Chiluminati podcast, which I did see that comment, and I did reach out to them asking them if they'd like to do a crossover. I'll have to check out some of their stuff. I don't think I've heard them yet. Yeah, they're pretty good. I mean, they're I, I would say uh, they're they're a really good podcast and similar to us that that does a lot of different like uh, eclectic stuff in the paranormal. I mean, we still do weirder, weirder stuff. <laughs> don't get me wrong. That's why people listen to us. So, because you get real into the weird paranormal weeds here, Chiluminati. Yeah. Well, Chiluminati guys, if you're listening, we love to be listening yeah. to you we love all that. week. Uh, Avarice Rex. Uh, the Dark Phoenix said, don't get me started on Mermaids, The Body Found. I have a few issues with that show. Personally, I think they were trying to capture the same majesty as Dragons, a fantasy made real, and failed. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Oh, absolutely. 100% is what, that's what they were trying. Well, I also get mad, too, because it was the first time that I really actually feel like hardcore fell for a hoax. And it was just proven to be a hoax. I, I had initially thought it might have been real when it came out. But as I watched it, there were too many things where, like... I should have heard of this by well, before now. Yeah, like you realize you, it should have been on, like if we found some sort of sentient species underwater, yeah, it would be on the news. Mm. Well, sorry. We assume it would be on the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, also <laughs> Avis Rex was the first person to respond to when I said uh for uh, for our patrons to guess what we're going to be talking about next. The only <laughs> clue I gave was it's an East Coast cryptid. And got it on the first guess. Well, it's also like the only East Coast. Cri- this <laughs> it is-, is far from the only East Sorry, Coast. Cryptid. That we haven't major one that we haven't done. <sighs> fair enough. Fair enough. That we haven't done, and you know, and so Avis Rex won the boot. Correct. Correct. He did on the first guess because our fans are smarter than everybody else's fans. So I'll say that <laughs> loudly, proudly. Dan Ward said, "I'm back. Hell yeah! Welcome back, Dan. Yeah, I did see that you uh, that you got back on the Patreon. Welcome back, Cheers. Dan Ward, super fan." Uh, once you're loyal, newest patron says, as someone who reads biker romance, by the way, that is the greatest start to a sentence that I've ever I heard. Like that. <laughs> I agree with Marcus, which makes you again smarter than the vast majority of people out there again. <laughs> I love this person so much uh, that this story does resemble biker culture. Yeah, yeah. The story reminds me of how the church treats Mary Magdalene's story. The whole war of the soul is a trend I saw a lot growing up in an, in a non-denominational church, which was evangelical smashed with Southern Baptist. Yeah, I, I think I remember we, we were talking about that through the Marine Kingdom, uh, the 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 biker the 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 biker culture that they used to I think was to lure women in and and use them to put men in 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 um in in positions of power to help their uh their organization i no, think if i remember right, when, we, it, yeah. when, we, when we were when we were talking when we were talking about that so thank you once a little for saying that i appreciate that so um so today guys we are talking about the jersey devil how did it take us like almost nine years in the paranormal to talk to do a whole episode on the Jersey Devil. Okay, here's the thing. I was laboring under the assumption that most of the Jersey Devil stuff was kind of talked out and really that most of our fans would know most of the stuff. And that's why when you first approached me about wanting to do the Jersey Devil for the next episode, I was kind of like, I don't know. But it didn't take long for me to prove myself wrong. Because I started digging through, and I started finding stuff that I was fully unaware of. So, yeah, no, I'm glad to be talking yeah, about yeah, this yeah. today. And so I am, too. I mean, it's we do winged cryptid, winged cryptids, so many, like, so many different types of winged cryptids. And the Jersey Devil is, like, right up there with some of the, you know, the biggies, like the Snallygaster, you know, Mothman, this sort of thing. And I feel bad that it's taken us a minute to 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 get to do the the jersey the jersey devil especially with how much uh we've had ricky bruckman on here mm-hmm. uh from new jersey yeah <laughs> and it's taking us a minute so um we should get him in here and do a yes. month of uh new jersey cryptids. yes i would love to get i would love to get i would love to get ricky uh and whiskey conspiracies in here at the same time since we now have two extra mics that we can now hook up at the same time which is great thank you so much to our patrons for helping us support do that so mm-hmm. um we've actually had a couple people that have asked us to do some interviews so yeah we'll get, make, we'll get mm-hmm. cooking on some of those soon pretty excited um and so the okay the jersey devil in and of itself is a it's a cryptid story that goes back <gasps> almost 300 years a lot of people attribute it to being the earliest american cryptid 
Oh yeah, no, I I, I personally <laughs> go no no no, it's not. But there are definitely people who attribute it. I would definitely that. agree that there are some people who are inaccurate. Yes, <laughs> there are some people who are just flat wrong. So. Um, in a nutshell, I'll go ahead and tell you guys the the core story that a lot of people know. Through and this is the first time uh, that you are crawling uh, that you have ever heard the story of the the, the, New Jersey, the Jersey Devil. Uh, this meat is good, so <laughs> You're uh, yeah, I'm already slurring. So in, in the story starts in nineteen in seventeen thirty five, Jane Leeds, who already had twelve children, was pregnant with her thirteenth child. And on a dark, stormy night, she gave uh, birth to her 13th child. And it was a very difficult, tumultuous labor and cried out that this child should surely be the devil. And whenever she birthed the child, uh, it was cleaned off. And suddenly, somehow, after cleaning it all off, that's when they discovered and noticed that the, that the child had wings, a horse goat-like head, uh, hooves, these clawed-esque hands. Uh, it let out this awful shriek climbs up the chimney out the chim- the top of the chimney and flees into the pine barrens to then begin a whole life of terrorizing uh the uh the east coast like many early myths of america what we have here is a uh, one of the most common tellings of it but the thing is there's so many different tellings of the jersey oh, devil sure. you'll find like minor changes here and there. Yeah. But like, that's one of the more consistent ones I've heard. Yeah, like the second most common one that you get is that she was just in on it the whole time and that she was actually like Jane Leeds was a witch and her husband was the, really the devil. And, and you know, and so she, they were intentionally trying to have this like monstrous child and that's what caused it. Um, you'll get that. But essentially in a nutshell, the first one that I told is supposed is, is suppo- the quintessential is, is story. story of the New Jersey devil. And so, but up until about the 20th century, it was referred to as the Leeds mm-hmm. Devil, to be fair. Now, I want to take initiative on this because sure. I want to talk about some of the things I was unaware of. Sure. First, the Leeds family in New Jersey was a pretty major family. And mm-hmm. some of the versions of the story addresses that it's not called the Leeds Devil because it was Mama Leeds that had birthed it, mm-hmm. but instead that it had occurred at Leeds Point. And some stories say it's both. It was by right, a right. Mama Leeds at Leeds Point. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that like I ended up finding as I researched this is there's this whole rabbit hole that involves Benjamin Franklin <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that uh, it was in Titus Leeds. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's one of the things I did not know is before the Poor Richard's Almanac, which was considered to be one of the first major American almanacs. There was actually a Leeds Almanac. Right. It was produced by uh, Daniel Leeds. He was mm-hmm. a Quaker, and um, he was a good Quaker. He, <laughs> well, he, wasn't, not. he wasn't a good Quaker. <laughs> so he produces That's... a Leeds Almanac, and well, there's a lot of astral charts in it and stuff. And a lot of the Quakers felt that it was a little occulty. Yeah. Although he tried to retract and apologize for those parts, they were already at the point of burning his books and ready to drive him out of town. So we have this very early occult association with the Lee's family, with people finding his first almanac to be too occulty for the Americas. Mm-hmm. Well, he goes on, he continues to publish the almanac, and he eventually does pass and pass it on to his son, Titan Leeds. Mm-hmm. Well, by the time Titan Leeds is taking it over and continuing to work on the almanac, he now has a competitor the legendary Poor Richard's Almanac. Oh. And do you know offhand who did the Poor Richard's Almanac? Uh, I believe that would be uh, Mr. Franklin. That would be one Benjamin Franklin. No, and not only and not only that, like, Titan actually, like, when one of the things that I do know about that, that Titan's Almanac when he was doing that, is after his father passed away and Titan took it over, he doubled down on doing even more of the esoteric stuff yep. in his particular Almanac, which... I'm sure by this point, if they had not already been kicked out of the Quaker community, it might be the, t- it mean, might be the time that's going to happen. They burnt the bridges already. They weren't going to be rebuilt. Might as well lean into sure. it at this point. Well, Benjamin Franklin is Benjamin Franklin's a wit. He's a bit of a trickster. He's a bit of a funny mm-hmm. guy. I, I think most of us kind of know this about the founding father. 
And uh, he decided to start poking fun at the Leeds Almanac, and particularly at Titan Leeds. At one point, he publishes a uh, death date for Titan Leeds, making a prediction that Titan will die on this day. This hit a nerve with Titan Leeds, who got very upset <laughs> and started publicly refuting him, calling him a fool, calling him all sorts of names, refuting him within his almanac. And Benjamin Franklin came up with a excellent jab back and our second occult connection with the Leeds family. He started saying, these awful things that Titan Leeds is saying, that this can't be true. My dear, kind Titan Leeds would never say this sort of thing about me. He must be possessed. And from then on, would not refer to Titan Leeds anymore as Titan Leeds, but the ghost of Titan Leeds or the ghost possessing Titan Leeds. I would like to personally take this opportunity to congratulate Benjamin Franklin on being <laughs> one of the earliest gaslighting champions oh, yeah. <laughs> of all time. <laughs> it was definitely it was definitely a um, alpha troll move yes, right there yes, yes. because it really got under his skin and he carried this on for a long time. Yeah. Um, he actually carried this on past the death of Titan Leeds. Yeah. And I mean, if there was one thing that happened in like colonial America that, that, that happened a lot, it would be these rich affluent guys who would take out all of these like newspaper articles where they would just throw jabs at each other all the times and just make up. Just crazy crap about each other. I'm glad that we've moved past that in America. <laughs> <laughs> that, that we no longer have these massive uh, mass communication uh, platforms to be able to uh, take jabs at the people that uh, we don't like, Mister Bag, Mister Baggins. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's a, we have a whole exactly. thing I wanted to cover on the whole Baggins thing. I think that deserves a whole episode right. on the worst Hobbit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's it's clearly not enough for people that powerful to have a rivalry in private. Right, correct. Everyone has to be drawn into it. Correct. Okay, so we have the first connection of the first almanac being um, a culty, quote unquote, right, and right. people reacting to it. We have the second occult connection with uh, the Leeds family, with this whole ghost of Titan Leeds. Although it's much more tongue in cheek, but definitely something that would have been known in the New Jersey area and could have affected the local folklore. We actually have one more, and it's a little bit of a surprising connection, but are you familiar with the Leeds family crest? Mm -hmm. What are there three of on the Leeds family crest? There are three wervens. Yes, there's three winged creatures yep. that look fairly Jersey devilish yeah, on the crest. On I've heard them being interpreted, interpreted as um, griffins, dragons, and wyverns, but most commonly mm -hmm. as wyverns. Wyverns being um, the, if you've ever seen the Welsh flag, it's the quote-unquote dragon on the Welsh flag, although there are notable differences between dragons and wyverns, but they are like woefully esoteric, and I'm not going to get into them just yet. So we have like those three already existing connections with um, occultism and loosely the Jersey Devil. One possibility is that, and a lot of people have pointed this out, is that this is a clear sign that this was just, there was already folklore connected to it and it was just made up as a rumor about the Leeds family. Now that's the part I don't buy. Having a pre-existing occultic connection and then a occultic action happening does not lead to me, therefore it was made up. Right. Now, one of the interesting things is because um, this is a big area for iron production. And one of the things I was very curious on wyverns is, is there connections between wyverns and iron? Because often mm -hmm. when you dig into um, mythology involving dragons, there's usually connections with metals like sometimes it's steel sometimes it's mm -hmm. gold sometimes mm -hmm. it's just precious things they hoard dragon mythology goes all over the world and it can be a little complicated guess what i found out what there is no connection between wyverns and iron <laughs> <laughs> I, I was sitting there waiting to talk about like how intertwined the american steel industry is up in the northeast Wow, thanks. That that I balloon found, just got deflated. Like I, I did a lot of time dr diving into the folklore of wyverns, because in many ways you could can you could draw a lot of similarities between wyverns and the Jersey right. Devil, and I was really hoping to find that because there are several stories where he shows up 
around iron. Right. But I couldn't find the connection. Right. But I did find something else that, although a bit tangential, very interesting. Because if you notice, a lot of these East Coast cryptids Mm -hmm. are very strange. They're very bizarre. Um, just some of the weirdest cryptids, like as composed to a not weird, bizarre cryptid. Uh, the snell, like for example, the snallygasser in the Jersey Devil have a much more bizarre appearance right. than many other like cryptids. Like, sure, there's other strange cryptids out there, but you'd be hard pressed to find something as strange as, like, say, the snallygaster. <coughs> like you said, they're out there, but they're not as common in American folklore. Something I did find about wyverns, though, is this. Mm -hmm. There are some stories that say the wyvern pollutes the land just by its very existence. And through that that spiritual pollution that sinks into the world around where it exists, strange and bizarre creatures begin to be birthed out of the earth. So I know this is a bit tangential, but we do have an area where some very bizarre cryptids are showing oh, sure. up oh, sure. in that time period. We have a family with the crest of the wyverns on it. We have the appearance in that time period of the Jersey Devil. One could associate with the wyvern. And yes, like I said at the beginning, this is a very tangential connection. But I found it a fascinating enough idea that I had to bring it up here. Perhaps maybe the Leeds family's mm-hmm. association with occultism was maybe more founded. Maybe they have this association with the Wyvern's mystical ability to create monsters. Well, maybe the Jersey Devil itself was a Wyvern and could have been the birthing of these other things. Or maybe I read too deep into Wyvern folklore and I'm seeing connections that don't exist. Well, I don't think that, I don't think that necessarily that you're seeing connections that don't necessarily exist. I also think like if you think about like the just the time period and where we're at, we're only 40 years after the Salem Witch Trials. So, I mean, you're talking about the people that are in, that are the ones talking about this, are literally the children of the Salem Witch Trial era. So these are people that are used to just seeing some of this occultism and then just using that as a means of just demonizing people just around them. Yes. And let's keep in mind that Daniel Leeds, that put this almanac out, wasn't the most popular gentleman, by the way, of the time with the Quaker community. No. Because we're also only about 40 years before the American Revolution. And at the time he was a he was a surveyor for the for the British monarchy at the time. So it's now so on top of him being this um gentleman who's using this uh who's using astrology, using these occultic things in his almanac to already make people dislike him, he's also a loyalist at the same time. So it's just stacking up why people would want to vilify him and his family at the time. Like I'm actually not that against the idea that this is mainly just people hating the Leeds family. Mm-hmm. I just don't like jumping to that being the only conclusion. No, 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 but- no. I, I'm not. I just, I think that it's a, I think it's a point to, to talk. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll go a little bit deeper into that concept. I think a little bit when we're giving some more of our, our, our thoughts on it. But another angle I want to talk about on this subject is this. The Jersey Devil, although was a popular story during that time period, it was much later, I believe, during the twenties, when the story really started to take off. In like, say, in the local. Twi- oh, in the twentieth century. Well, I, I think it's the nineteen twenties was when um, it's the story really started to take off, isn't well, it? Well, it was nineteen oh nine. No, sorry, nineteen oh nine. Sorry, my yeah, bad. Yeah, so my no, bad. It, no, it was the so it was the twentieth century, but it was nineteen oh nine when you have the essentially the Jersey Devil week when you see it go from yeah. being the Leeds Devil to being referred to as the Jersey Devil. But there's also the possibility of this. What is being seen is not directly connected to the story of the Leeds Devil. Yeah, that's true. If you have a pre-existing folkloric thing, even if it never happened, you just have this idea of this rumor of a monster in the area that just pre-exists, and then something strange shows up. The association is going to be made, but that doesn't necessarily mean a then B is correct here. Right. Um, one of the things I noticed in both the original Jersey Devil story and the um, later ones that show up is the horse head description. Mm-hmm. And that's not the only time we get the horse head description in like cryptid sightings. Sure. Many um, people struggling to identify creatures that we would now identify as prehistoric creatures 
often describe it as having a horse-like head. These are people, they don't have a extensive modern biological background. Well, it's something with like that elongated face. So I also wonder if maybe there's no occultic connection truly existing here. If perhaps they have found a relic, something from the pterosaur family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then imprinted it onto this thing. Because the description, if you think about how someone without a advanced biological degree may describe it, I mean, well, it's also dark when people. Are, so you know, if you if and they're you, mainly not taxonomists, right? So you're talking you're talking about people in the new in the New England area, okay? Not really seeing, I would say, large reptiles at the time, like something no. like an alligator or something, or lizards in the dark, seeing something with an elongated face. I would have met, you know, people have used the phrase kangaroo as well, but. I even have a hard time believing that just the average person is just going to throw the phrase kangaroo out. I think horse is probably the best analogy in shape that you could guess of something like an in the dark. Also, like another interesting connection going back through um, going back through the discussions we've had so far. The wyvern is described as having this kind of precisely pointed tail. Mm-hmm. Um, in more modern interpretations, it's been reimagined as a scorpion tail, but it's really more of just it's a pointed tail. Correct. Um, you have the description continuing over to the Jersey Devil story, with even some of them drawing a special connection to it in the birth of the Jersey Devil, using its pointed tail tail to whip each and every person who had helped in the birth before it flew away. And many pterosaurs have this odd mm-hmm. membranous, somewhat pointed tail. It's not a direct, like, connection of proof, but it's, uh, once again, it's a series of details that mm-hmm. I noted in the story well, that continued to carry over. Let me give you something to help. I think that'll help strengthen the argument about it being possibly more of just being an elongated tail and not necessarily being, like, a wyvern-esque tail, just an elongated tail. Mm-hmm. Imagine any sort of folktale story involving something with a scorpion-like tail. It always uses its tail. Or that particular trait is equipped in the story. Can you name any single story that you have ever heard involving the Jersey Devil where it stung somebody? Oh, none. Exactly. It's 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 it whips so, it with the tail. But uh, uh, what I was pointing out is right. like the the wyvern with the scorpion tail is not part of traditional uh, mythology as I know it. But he, but even but any time where that particular trait is involved in something like you, it would. It would use that in some sort of. That's a trait of it, so it's going to be used in the story. It's never involved in. It's never involved in any yeah, yeah. Jersey Devil story that I've ever heard. Yeah, and it, which makes sense because it's it's a modern conjecture. It's right. like for those of you who play D anD D and have fought wyverns, you would know <laughs> nowadays when we talk about wyverns, they usually I, have a, a scorpion tail. I wasn't going to, but it's not. It, it's not something that's present in the mythology. Yeah. It's something that we've made up right, to make them more right. men, interesting monsters to fight. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I just want to make sure people aren't conflating the kind of more modern D and D esque Wyvern with right. like right. <laughs> the earlier interpretations of the word, which are not like overly consistent. Like for example, mythology usually describes the Wyvern as having two legs and the other arms being the wings, kind of like a Skyrim dragon. Mm-hmm. But like the Welsh flag definitely shows it with four legs. <laughs> so, but but at that more consistently than that is the pointed tail. Right, right, Because right. that, that does remain more consistent than the number of legs. Right. Well, if you want to make it like this, like, I think that there is definitely something within the American mythos about these pterosaur-esque type creatures sightings that people see. And so I, I, I do think an argument could be made that something could be being misidentified about the Jersey Devil. But um, you were talking about the, you, you were talking about the week of uh, the, like, 19, in 1909, and this is really when there's this big change in the Jersey Devil story. Um, you know, if you're if you're chronologically like laying this all out, 1909. So it's January 16th to to January 23rd, 1909, and there are hundreds of reported sightings all across the Northeast at the time of the at at this time about people seeing something described like the Jersey Devil. You have it like. Like report, like flat out attacking a trolley in Hen Heights. Police are shooting at the damn thing in in Pencil in Bristol, Pennsylvania at the time. Um, there's sightings of it in Delaware. There's sightings of it in Maryland during this time. Um, all over, just news cycles everywhere. 
And now when I when I see that, yeah, we talked about this is the time in which it goes from being kind of referred to as the Leeds Devil to being referred to as the New Jersey Devil. That's also a time in history, though, when you see this massive spike in news reportings for a lot of cryptids, like mm-hmm. around this time period. Like uh, this is the same time period in which you have like the Van Meter Monster reported sightings. There's other pterosaur sightings, by the way, during this time too, as well. Bigfoot sightings that did, like just shoot up around this time too. Van Meter Monster, another East Coast yeah. real bizarre creature. Now, also at the same time, let's keep in mind this is only a couple decades right after the Fiji Mermaid, and so this is the time in which it is popular for a lot of newspapers to start hyping up stories as a way of selling newspapers mm-hmm. during this time because, you know, they're writing the most outlandish thing that they can. And so that's kind of the hard thing that I have about this particular time. But you see some pretty cool stuff, like, during this time, like, two different like two different groups of people offering, like, $10,000. Like, the Philadelphia Zoo offers $10,000 for its capture, um, like, uh, which I think is, is pretty – which I think is pretty interesting. Can I derail for a small oh, sure, moment here? Sure. It, it's somewhat connected. Okay, I found references to groups of bounty hunters yeah. and adventure seekers showing up in the area. Yeah. But I found no information on what happened with them once they got there, just oh. that they were there. Now, did you find anything? Because this was something I was curious about, but I just had come up dry on the The bounty hunters from what they found? I didn't find any, any anything about what they had found when they were in the area. But also keep in mind, the Pine Barrens has also been a long time associated with out social outcasts. Oh yeah, too, Ricky at the time. Bruckman has yeah. told me rumors of the blue people that supposedly yeah. live out in the Pine Barrens yeah. and stuff. Like and supposedly, like gangsters. Oh, man, what was it was it, uh, gangsters, moonshiners, um, runaway free slaves at the time would end up in the Pine Barrens. They said um, would end up in that in that time period. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, ro- roaming gangs of armed individual is not something that's outside the scope of American history. But they definitely have a history of it, because if you go back before this period, right. this was a serious area for, like, highwaymen, yeah. or highwaymen, like, gangs of bandits, things like that. It's sure. It's historically just been a rough area to live. Beyond that, like, it's very similar to a tundra in that area. It's that arid and that cold so it's it's just not an easy place to be it shocks me though that there are not more accounts of these roaming gangs of people showing up in the pine barrens and finding something because also on top of the pine barrens have supposedly being the the home the the home place of the jersey devil it's also the home place of like a gazillion other types of paranormal account, you know, creatures as mm-hmm. well. You're talking about there's tons of different ghost stories that involve there. Bar guys are showing up in there. There's like a ghost of a pirate uh, that supposedly buried his treasure out there in the Pine Barrens that's out there. I must say there's myths of like smoke dogs and witch storms in that yeah, area too. Yeah. White, uh, I think like white lady type yep. stories that 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 show up there and there that as well. But not one particular instance of any like gang of individuals that have stories from now they probably now my guess is they might exist and we just don't know about them well the other thing is um when when i was really interested in the um stories of these bounty hunters i was thinking about the infield horror case mm-hmm. and remember how like we had some information in the infield horror case from like these bounty hunters and things like that had, who had come in to hunt the monster um, but the infield horror happened much more recently. This might be just something that's buried too far back in the annals of time. No, but you also have things like what well, that we know is a hoax where, where gangs of people should have like Hodag. Oh, I love Hodag. Yeah, where, you know, they show up and they fabricate the story of using dynamite and all this other sorts of crap to hunt and it down. And have an amazing picture yeah. of them killing Hodag. You know, or the or pterosaurs. That's another thing too, mm. that where they like down in down in the south, uh southwest, where you saw the same thing. I, I don't see any stories out of the Pine Barrens. And that kind of shocks me, which makes me think that I believe that they're there because they've happened for far less. And I think these are stories that probably um, are overlooked. Well, so there, my guess is was, that they're there. There was one attempt to turn in a bad piece of taxidermy for the bounty. That was a kangaroo. Yeah, it, well, and, and it was a really badly done. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things you look at and go, you made this at yeah, home, didn't yeah, yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was terrible. It was a, one of the, another one of the t- Fiji mermaid. They need to, to hit up Barnum to, to, to how to do that right. My guess is one of the things that made it look so bad is there's not that many living animals nowadays with like that sort of large membranous right. wing. <laughs> But right. it was just it was they did a bad job. Right. But you but, but I think that's I think if we're trying to push the conversation of the of the New Jersey Devils somewhere, I, I think that's where it's gonna come from. I think that there's probably gonna be weird interesting stories from these gangs of adventurers showing up to go hunt this thing down in the Pine Barrens and running into weird adventures out there. That's my guess. And it's not like this isn't a continuing thing. It's oh, sure, not yeah. that uncommon for um people to have encounters with the Jersey devil up to this oh, day. Absolutely. Oh man. There was a, I was watching this doc, I was watching a documentary talking about one of the former, uh, um, of the mayor, uh, of the county of Galway County out there, uh, Don Purdy, where he was, they were like in the car with him and he's driving around and he's like, yep, this is the home of the New Jersey devil. It's a real great place. People saw it, spot it all the time. And he's like super excited. And I'm like, if I'm a mayor of a small town, and I think that there may be something plaguing my town and harassing. I don't want my elected officials to be that devil may care about it. Like, I I at least want you to pretend like you're upset. <laughs> okay. This is where we see the monster that flies around the town. I don't plan on doing nothing about it, but this is where you can see it. <laughs> it's like, vote for me next, next November. Status quo. <laughs> like... I don't know what kind of campaign pitch that is. Like, I imagine like his opponent had to be like, "I'm gonna hunt that New Jersey Devil down. And I'm gonna be the one to tax it up." Like, even if you tried, I feel like that would be a better campaign strategy than just saying, just being proud of this is the. <laughs> yep, my town's being harassed by this thing, and I'm not doing a damn thing about it. It. it- it is a really unique case because it does occur over a long period of time. I would assume that if it is a biological entity that's not supernatural in nature, it would have to be like a breeding community. Like, for example, if we're examining this as a pterosaur, I would have to assume that there's a breeding community of them around for it to persist this long over time. I mean, assuming it's a biological entity. Now, if it's a supernatural entity, and you can draw connections to quite a few different supernatural entities when examining the Jersey Devil. It has comparisons to the ancient chimera if you've cut up off off two heads. (laughs) Like, sure, it doesn't have, like, the three heads of the chimera, Mm -hmm. but it does have one of them. The goat is one of the traditional ones of the heads. We talked about having that elongated head. There's there's an indigenous group called the Lenape that live in the area Mm -hmm. that have a spiritual entity called the Imsing. I think I pronounced that right. Um, that I found, but well, not be words are actually really hard. <laughs> I I'm doing my best. Okay. I'm doing my best. Um, and, uh, they described this spiritual creature as something with bat like wings with a deer head mm-hmm. with an, along with a long, you know, another creature with an elongated like type face, bat like wings and also has hooves. Also, if you run into any supernatural American Indian creature that has a deer head, just go. It's yeah. never good. No, it's no, it's, <laughs> For it's some not reason, good. The deer heads like one of the worst things to run into. Well, I oh gosh, what was it? I that I, and owls. I I saw this uh, I in the documentary that I watched on this. Uh, it's not like anybody who describes this thing has a positive experience about it. I think there are people that have dumb takes on it. Like there was this one lady that was the daughter of an eyewitness, and she said. Well, I think this thing is just a misunderstood creature that's out there that's scared and just looks different. And I'm like, I'm like, lady, that is how you die. <laughs> like, like I don't think that it's actually harmed anybody. I'm like, man, there are hundreds of missing persons that are up there in the Northeast that we just don't know that probably go missing even in the Pine Barrens. Thank you very much. I'm not gonna lie because this this is just the personality I am. If I run into it, I get over my initial shock of seeing it, and it's acting friendly. I'm totally going to explore that possibility. That it might that it might be friendly. I, I I'm just that sort of person where if I get over my initial shock, I'm gonna at least test the waters to see. Hey, you're giving me this opportunity. Can you talk? Are you nice? Or uh-huh. and I'm, it's probably just gonna lure me in close you, enough to to like kill me. Do you just get over your initial shock of the strange? Man in the van that just offers candy to you. After you get over the initial shock, maybe have, the candy's real. I have <laughs> less faith in a human trying to give me candy than like a monster <laughs> that's out in the wilderness. But you know me, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of just one of those people who's like, 
I, I'm willing to consider maybe you're just misunderstood. Maybe we've, we've given you a rough shake. And that's why it's going to eat I, it, I, It's going to get my heart. Yeah, I also feel like this <laughs> might be the reason why you're like the first person to die in a horror movie. Oh, in a yeah. Horror oh, movie yeah. Because, because of this. A hundred percent. I'm the first person going down in the horror movie. No, 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 no. I'm not. Well, uh, one reason is I'm also a survivalist. You have to kill early the people who actually have the skills to get right. someone out of a situation. They, the, the writer of the universe had to write a fatal flaw into me. <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask you about one of the traits that I, you know, we've gone 40 minutes and we really haven't brought up this weird trait. And I don't think enough people talk about this, this blood curdling scream that it makes. Yes, I want to talk about this. Yeah, I want to talk about this in some of the fundamentals that we have. Um, because, I, you know, I, I, you hear about that at the earliest stages of it, and there's a few couple accounts of, of some people talking about it. And I'm curious as to what, what some of your thoughts on that might be. Like, do you okay. think that it's a supernatural thing? Do you think, it, like, we just look just as horrifying to it and it's screaming? Do you mind if I go first? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Okay. I have two thoughts on this. I'm going to go with the less interesting and work to the more interesting. The first one I want to talk about is if it is a pterosaur-like creature, it's going to have a large screech because it's going to be communicating over a long range, assuming that they are semi-social, which seems like they might be. Um, so it makes sense that it would have this loud scream to communicate. Um, also, it's totally something that many animals use in self-defense situations, if it feels threatened or it feels like it needs to shock a prey item, it might utilize something like that. So I think it does make some sense with the pterosaur. But I want to draw attention to something else that I've been thinking about a lot this week while I've been doing this research. We have a creature with wings. We have a creature with red glowing eyes. It has a horrific, powerful shriek that really seems to screw up people who hear it. What's this kind? Oh, and it's dark colored. What does this kind of sound like? Oh, and red glowing eyes. I, I said yeah. red glowing. Oh, you already did the red. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That, we're going down the Mothman rabbit hole. Yeah, no, like I, I really think that this might be the same sort of creature as the Mothman. Now, one of the th hurdles we have to get over is it is described as leaving cloven hoof footprints. I don't recall ever seeing that in any of the Mothman cases. Sure. Um, and I am prepping to read Mothman Prophecies by John Kill right now, so it might just be on my mind. But I really feel like it's either a similar sort of entity or possibly the same entity. So, like, that that's kind of where my mind goes when it comes to the scream, is it's drawing me more into this kind of bizarre phantom sort of area. Also, many areas where the Jersey Devil sighted are sites of tragedy because it shows up around a lot of battlefields, sometimes mm. even before the battle occurs. What's your thoughts on it? I, I said time and time again that I think something about these winged, these winged cryptids has something to do with the possibility of there being more types of skinwalkers out there than just down in the American Southwest down there. I I've said it, I've said it numerous times. I, you know, you know, occultic practices span the globe. Mm -hmm. And I think that you see pops-ups of these winged-ass cubanoids all, or these other humanized cryptids all over all over America. And I 100% believe that I think that an individual can both do this uh, in, uh, inadvertently and inadvertently. Um, so I, I think that could be something better to say, too, to also address of, you know, how come we haven't found a body? How come, you know... Why have we not found a body? There's got to be more than one. This, this this sort of type of deal. And to the best of my ability to figure out, every continent has a equivalency of the skinwalker. Sure. Like, yeah. if you dig far enough, you'll find something very similar everywhere. Right. Um, causing some people to use the term fleshgate instead of skinwalker. Well, you also have, again, we're 40 years after a huge occultic scare across across the across the northeast with the Salem witch with the Salem witch trials at the same and time. it even occurred in Europe and it went way more yeah, hardcore yeah now. like the witch trials in America were nothing compared to like right. say the ones in central Germany right right you know and so I you know and I I think one of the things that we know of whenever you have a a a persecuted people one of the things that will happen is many of them will go underground 
Oh, of course. So you see, like, I and mean, if I'm a witch during the witch yeah. trials, I'm not sticking around. No, no, yeah, you're gonna go. You know, you're gonna go underground. And so I think that that's something that too that I think that people can that 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 can happen. So that's pretty much kind of my 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 food for thought on that. I mean, unless we want to like get into like the common misidentified things of it being like the great horned owl or the sandhill crane, which are like the usual suspects that people bring up all the time. Let me throw out one more connection. Sure. Um, When I was going through some of the early versions of the leads birthing the Jersey devil case, Mm -hmm. there are some of the descriptions of the story that lead lean very into like European witchcraft, these sort of things that uh, details that were identified like in the Mali Smalfakarm, things like right. that. And like not every version of the tale leans so hard in on those descriptions. And maybe they were implanted in later on. But there are some that lean very heavy on um, the leads being a very traditional European witchy family. Mm-hmm. And I just want to address that those details sure. did exist within there. And so I think that we've talked a lot about, and I've got, we've talked a lot about the Jersey Devil, and I I want to leave some stuff for the pillow talk that okay. that we haven't really brought up. But what are some of your final thoughts on the story of the Jersey Devil? Okay, my final thoughts are at two extremes. Like, either it's a biological creature that has somehow survived, similar to a pterosaur that perhaps existed in a relic population for a period of time, probably disappearing or extremely drawing back before the modern day. Or we're talking about a Mothman-esque sort of phantasmal creature where, yes, it does appear biological at initial look, but when you apply the laws of biology to it, it just doesn't make sense and would flatly fall in a supernatural realm. I'm I'm of those two minds on this case. I feel like it's either A or B. What about you? I think that the popularity and rise of the Jersey Devil sightings, I think, are very suspect around the time of the rise of mass communications periods in America, you know? You're seeing you're seeing you're seeing 1930s, 19 early early 20th 20th century, and I think that that is something to remember because also during these two periods of time, in which were some of the most fictionalized times in American media, <laughs> just there's bazillions of 20th century hoaxes that pop early 20th that pop up around then. I mean, you can just everything horrible imaginable was was could be said in in New England papers around this time too as well. I think those are important things to remember. Um, that being said, I do think this is another a type of account where you have these winged-ass creatures that pop up through American folklore. And I don't think that you can ignore that. I think that I think that it is a large rock on a much larger pile of large rocks that I think that when you look at it through the whole scope of things, make some really interesting uh, connections and possibilities. Very poignant and well put point. Yeah. But it does lead me to one last question. What? Now that you've had a bit, what do you think of the mead? Well, <laughs> um, I think it's very good. And uh, I'll give some of my final critiques of it uh, in the pillow talk segment. Okay. Okay. We're holding the alcohol review on yeah. then. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. This has been a blast to talk about. Tell us what you guys think about the New Jersey Double. Was there something about the story that that we missed was there a personal was there an account that we kind of glossed over that you guys think we should have looked more at oh certainly oh i know i know there was there were several (laughs) famous people that have said sightings of this thing we didn't even talk about napoleon's brother i know yeah but i've i've got thoughts for i've got points for that for the pillow talk um you know what are your thoughts on the jersey devil do you think it's its own thing do you think it's grouped with a bunch of other things like what are your guys thoughts on it your thoughts in the comments below. If you're listening to this, uh, leave us a like somewhere. Leave us a review. If you're listening to somewhere where you can leave a review, that's always helpful. Um, but until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. All right, everyone. We're going to slide into the Pill Talk segment of this podcast. If you want to check out the rest of this awesome podcast, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up. For as little as a dollar a month, you get the rest of this awesome podcast, as well as bonus content that we put up exclusively for our patrons. 
and I am going to give you my review on this uh, on this mead. Um, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. You know what's weird? As I drink it more, I I taste the cinnamon less and less, and I get more of the mead. I don't oh, know if yeah. I'm getting used to it, or I don't know if I'm just being conditioned to. It's it's because it's kind of a in between space between a dry and a sweet, mm-hmm. and you get less of that dry taste the more you drink. That's a uh, that's good that's a good way to describe it. It's in between dry and sweet. Yeah, like I actually prefer sweet meads, and I'm getting better at making sure my meads are not sweet. Like I did a 